Are you looking to modernize your veterinary practice by offering virtual care to pet owners? Fortunately, there's an easy solution from the podcast sponsor, Medici. That's M-E-D-I-C-I. Medici is a telehealth solution built for veterinarians. I've made it easy to check out Medici with a link in the show notes, or you can head over to their website, medici.md, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. Medici lets you text, call, and video chat with clients with their easy-to-use app. Send or receive images and videos of pets, stay VCPR compliant, and get paid, which is always a wonderful thing, for delivering convenient care right from your phone. Hi, this is Dr. Aaron Smiley, and I've offered telemedicine to my clients since I started. In 2017, I integrated paid telemedicine with Medici. Ready to go virtual? Visit Medici.md, that's M-E-D-I-C-I dot M-D, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. And with that, here's the show. Hi there. Real quick, it's Isaiah. I want to apologize to Dr. Demery and you as a listener to the podcast that the audio quality is not as good as I would have hoped. We recorded in person in a different location and there was a fan that got picked up throughout. So with that, hopefully you can still pick up all the good nuggets that she provides throughout with the podcast. And it was a great discussion. So with that, enjoy. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Angela Dimery of Paz Consulting and a handful of other fun, interesting things that we'll get into here in a second. Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Isaiah. Yeah, another fun in-person interview. I don't get to do these all the time, so this is great. It's nice to be able to sit across the table from someone and be able to chat. So thanks so much for Take some time out of your day to stop by. Yes, it's been fantastic, and I'm really excited to be able to join you here in person as well. Yeah, so we originally met on Twitter, which is awesome. I'm a, I'm a big Twitter user because of what I call FinTwit, so I've met a lot of great, wonderful people in the world of financial Twitter, and then you know we just kind of stumbled across each other through a couple other mutual connections and people being on shows, and I'm just so excited to have a chat with you. Great, thank you so much. So when we first initially had our, our get to know you phone call, you talked about over, around, and through. So can you tell me why that's so important? Because it feels like one of those big pillars in your life as far as the way you look at the world. Yeah, and I think another way to describe that are the barriers that are both real and perceived. And how often do we tell ourselves these stories of I can't do this because of that, or there's no way to overcome something. And you know, I just don't buy it. I'm dedicated to being not only a role model for busy professionals, but also to show them what's possible. And you know, my mom was a, such a great role model growing up. She was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was only eight years old. And by the time I was in college, she could barely walk. She spent the last 15 years of her life as a quadriplegic. And in spite of all of those challenges, she still got up each and every day, and she taught math to seventh grade. But she didn't only just teach math to seventh graders and go through those motions. She inspired them that they could overcome anything, that they could actually be good at math. A lot of her students were, you know, identified as some of the worst students, and yet they were getting A's in her class. They were learning math for the first time. And she actually inspired them to go live the life of their dreams, no matter what that was or what that looked like, that there was nothing that they couldn't achieve. And I just think that was so inspiring growing up, and I never appreciated it when I was younger, but I'm so appreciative that I had that opportunity now to really understand 
that you know these are just barriers on the outside or stories we're telling ourselves, but we can still overcome anything and accomplish all of our goals and dreams if only we put our minds to it. And we don't have to wait for when or if. We can start taking action today. Yeah, so little known fact, again, as we get to know each other, so my wife is also a seventh grade math teacher, so I'll have to share that story with her when she has a you know tough day. There's nothing quite like you know the situation your mom went through. So that's you are very determined, and that's something I picked up on very quickly. What I would call you know kind of a no BS, like really straight to the point, and I appreciate that. You did serve our country, so I appreciate that service as well. Were you always you know projecting like this confidence and this like you know? get after it attitude, or was that something that the military installed kind of in you and you learned, or has that always been there since you were young? Yeah, I think that's always been there for me and in the family I grew up in. So not only did my mom have some of these hurdles and challenges and really inspired and instilled that determination in me, but my dad was a football coach, and my grandfather was the first football coach ever at our high school. And so every single person in our family, myself included, played football on that field and heard the dust it off, you know, there's no blood, no guts, no glory, you know, you're fine, dust it off, get up, get back in the game, whatever it takes. And that feeling was okay. Like they gave us so much leeway to try things and to fail or to not do it well. And it was always, no worries, what did you learn from it? Get up, dust yourself off, and go on. And I just don't think we talk about that enough. We see people that are we feel are super successful in the world, but we don't really think through or ask them about how they became successful or about their failures. When was the last time you were interviewed to talk about your failures, right? Nobody wants to talk about that. We want the inspiring stories, but we don't think about, oh yeah, they've been working hard for 10 or 20 years, and now they're being recognized. I just heard Rachel Hollis talk the other day, and they were like, how's it feel to be like a first-time author? And she's like, this is like my fourth book. Mm -hmm. But now I, now I finally figured it out, right? So people are not overnight successes. You know, they've been working hard for years and years and years, and I think sometimes we just forget that. Humans innately don't love delayed gratification, so when things get hard, we try to find ways to skirt around that and, and get back to the, the pleasure that's there instead of the pain of maybe having to slog it out or continue to work and not see the results right away. So failure is one of the things that maybe aren't celebrated enough. You know, view it even now, especially with younger generation, with parents and their kids, they, they want to protect them from failure. They want to make sure that they feel good about where things are going. And is that setting them up for success or failure? in the future because life is not always going to go your way as both of us have, have seen in our personal lives like it doesn't always fall your, your way so that's an interesting idea around failure do you have a favorite failure or, or something that you think of that maybe set you back at the time that is actually you know, a springboard for the future well first of all i never fail i always learn <laughs> there you go but i don't really view them as failures as much as hardships i suppose and I think that's a really important distinction is that maybe we have barriers, maybe we have hardships, maybe things didn't go as well. I mean, I ran for Congress and didn't win. I ran for president-elect of the ABMA and didn't win, right? But I still view them as great successes because I get to define what success means to me, not whether or not I got enough votes to win the office. And so 
whenever I set out on some of these big monumental tasks, I always said, what does success look like to me? Even if I don't win the election, how can I still be successful? And for me, that success is impact and having the impact on my profession and in my community that is positive and helps to move the profession forward. It helps to elevate topics that weren't being discussed before or were kind of set aside on the back burner. And when we really need to start having these really meaningful, difficult discussions, to be able to bring that to the forefront, to excite our membership, to do more grassroots activities within the community, and to really sit down and listen to what people's hopes and dreams are. There are so many smart, amazing people around us. Let's elevate those other voices, um, rather than just saying, you know, my way or the highway, or not hearing from enough people. One of the next questions where I was gonna go was talk about when you ran for president of AVMA and kind of the experience of what you learned any favorite memory from that whole whirlwind of a, a journey? Um, <laughs> so one of the favorite memories was traveling to 20 states over three to four months during daylight savings time in the spring. And I was back and forth between California and Arizona, both before and then right after daylight savings time. And so trying to keep time zones straight <laughs> kind of was a joy in and of itself and, and kind of a fun, fun experience. But, you know, in all seriousness, I, I learned a lot both personally and professionally. On the personal side, it helped me identify and solidify my values, which are bold leadership, innovation, selfless service and adventure and I really value having that geographic and time flexibility and the ability to serve others so that sort of met all of those needs and then professionally I learned so much from the amazing veterinarians all across the country and I might be a bit biased but I truly believe that the veterinary profession is one of the most dynamic and innovative professions. I mean, we have the skill sets to literally excel at anything that we set our minds to. And there's not a lot of other professions that set you up with that diverse skill set and the problem-solving ability to figure anything out on the fly. And veterinarians are doing it every single day. Great way to look at it just from the, the skill set knowledge. Obviously, very intelligent, bright people because it's extremely hard to get into vet school. You're going through a lot of experiences and learning a broad array of topics and then you get thrown out there and that's just scratching the surface on what you're going to see and experience. Again, I don't know that. I've never been a veterinarian, but th these are things that I hear. Real quick to switch gears a little bit, you shared a story that I was like, what, how did that happen? Did I hear that right? So you made a comment about staying on a yacht in San Diego. Like what happened, like what is the story behind that? Sure, so you know, we all have these goals and dreams and this last year I just was really determined to take a vacation and I kept talking with some different people and what the vacations were that we were going to take and, and I couldn't carve out the time. And for whatever bizarre reason, I've just been obsessed with taking a vacation on a yacht. You know, they have these vacations where you can go on a yacht and travel around the Caribbean and all these things. I'm thinking, geez, I don't think I should probably do that by myself, like on a boat in the middle of an ocean somewhere or something, I don't know. Probably not the best idea. However, I was just like, I really want a vacation on a yacht. And so I was given a ticket to an influencer event in San Diego, and I could use my airline miles, so I, I was paying a 
$11.20 for a first class flight from Indianapolis to San Diego. And you know, conference hotels are really expensive. And I said, hmm, this all wasn't really my budget. I really want this vacation. I'm searching around on Airbnb. And lo and behold, I could stay on a yacht in the San Diego Harbor at half the price of the conference hotel. So I thought, wow, what a great way to live the life of my dreams right now, on a budget, um, have this experience. And for me, sometimes it's so much more about the experiences that we get to have and the journey of life rather than, you know, living it up like with, you know, $5,000 a day on a private yacht or something wild. Like, who cares, right? And so it was just a really lovely experience. Um, we met some really amazing people who own the yacht, and I, I got to have a really fun time on sort of a work vacation, I suppose. It's a creative way to stay, and I, I'm always an advocate for looking at you know cool places to stay within a city when you go there outside of just maybe the conference hotel or places there. I'm more of an Airbnb fan, maybe not getting on the yacht, but. Uh, love the love the story and thanks for sharing that. Transitioning to what you're doing now, so you own a company called Pause Consulting. Can you tell us a little bit about what Pause is about? You know, what your mission is, who you serve, and what you do best. Yeah, and so Pause Consulting stands for Public Health Advocacy Wellness Strategic Systems, and so I really believe that the foundation of every business for accomplishing your goals and dreams is having that strong foundation. Um, when it's talking about your goals and dreams, the strong foundation is what are your values um, and how do we align our goals, our dreams, and our values to really feel good about what we're doing, enjoy the journey, and then accomplish them faster than we ever have before, given the resources that we currently have. On the public health and, and advocacy side, I work with both busy professionals um, to help them live the life of their dreams like I described, but then also with political candidates and public health organizations to implement effective campaign strategies and then build high-performing teams to go out and execute those strategies. So things I'm super passionate about and I've been spending my career doing that, so now I'm very excited to be focusing my full efforts on helping others do the same. You had a career in vet med after serving in the, the military. Can you kind of share that story of what you did when you were a practicing veterinarian and what those experiences were as well that kind of helped lead you to what you're doing now with BOSS? Yeah, so I started my career in equine sports medicine and surgery and practiced in Canadian animal medicine for a while before moving to Washington, D.C. to advocate on behalf of the profession for the American Veterinary Medical Association's Governmental Relations Division. So I had this great experience being Washington, D.C. on the policy and politics side and advocating on behalf of our profession and then moved back home um, to take on the role of being equine medical director for the Indiana Horse Racing Commission. So on the regulatory side, so I was on the practicing veterinarian side of the racetrack, I was on the regulatory side of the racetrack, I had spent some time in Washington, D.C. Um, on the advocacy side and then decided to run for Congress. So I've been on the campaign side as well as sort of the politics and policy making side and I have a master's in public health. So public health policy and veterinary policy is near and dear to my heart. And really this business was able to put all of my 
skill sets, all of my experience, and all of my passions together in a real and tangible way to help others. There's so many different areas as far as questions to get me off on a tangent, like, ooh, let's talk about when you were watching, or ooh, let's talk about this or that, but just such a diverse background and the experience that you've had, when you sit down and are, are talking with teams about maybe the issues or challenges they're having, just knowing where you've been and what you've seen across all different types of life and, and, and experiences you can help guide and say, well, you know what, actually, this might be the, the right situation to do this, or you know, actually, we don't want to talk about that or, or do this, because it doesn't make sense. Just that broad experience to me is very unique. It'd be hard to find someone that would have something even remotely close to the same life experiences. I don't think I've ever talked to someone that has such a broad band of, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. It just makes me think, man, you just like, don't want to like, be still. Like You have to be doing something and you always you know, just be constantly curious about what's next or finding something that you're passionate about. Well, I am constantly curious, and I blame my parents. Uh, two public school teachers that I grew up with, so they taught me to always be curious, always be learning, always be excelling, and doing my best at everything. And that it's okay to try different things and figure out what it is you're truly passionate about, and then go for it, you know, full force. Um, no apologies. Don't hold back. And that has just really lasted me a lifetime and I'm just so grateful for my parents and really allowing me the space to be proud of me even when you know I haven't led a traditional career or life in any way shape or form and so there are a lot of those societal pressures and I feel the same pressures everyone else does that oh why did you stop being a veterinarian or why aren't you practicing or where is your practice and you know I have to remind myself that this isn't a knock on me. This is a great opportunity to educate the public on the amazing and diverse things that we do as a veterinarian and the veterinary profession. And I mean, how many other professions can you say that no matter what the economy does, I will always have a job because somebody always needs my skill sets. And so I feel very grateful and fortunate to have been given all of these opportunities to develop all of these skill sets. and to be able to weather the storms of an up and down economy that we've seen throughout my career and, and we'll probably see again in the future. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm just thinking, you know, if you're at a cocktail party and someone comes up to you and asks, oh, so what do you do? Which I hate that <laughs> question. And I've tried to replace it with, you know, what has you excited right now? But if they ask you what you, you know, what do you do? I just feel like you'd be like, well, okay, uh, let, let, you know, how, how much time do you have? Let, let's see and then answer that question. But what would you say today? Is it, you know, you, you own a business that's a consulting business and kind of talking about pause, or how would you address that? Yeah, I think it depends on what the context is and who asked the question, right? I, my knee jerk is, is always, I'm a veterinarian, but the reality is I would say, hey, I'm, I'm a political and public health consultant. That always starts a really interesting conversation as well. And so I, I'm proud to be a veterinarian, I'm proud to be a veteran, and I'm sure I would probably introduce myself as I do as a political and public health consultant these days. Sure, so again, going back to our initial conversation, I just made this like passing comment, and you kind of said, whoa, 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 back up. Like, why did you <laughs> say that? Like, let, let's get to the root of that. And you kind of challenged me when I said, what I hear is a lot of young veterinarians don't want to be practice owners. 
can you share your thoughts on practice ownership? And you obviously talked to a ton of veterans, young, old, and everything in between uh, when you ran for president. What's your thoughts on ownership, practice ownership? Yeah, so traveling the country from the East Coast to the West Coast, you know, from California to Texas and a lot of places in between, what I heard from veterinarians, especially younger veterinarians, is I want to own a practice and I'm frustrated because there aren't as many opportunities, meaning that either they would have to start their own practice or that because of the corporate consolidation, it's very difficult to be competitive and putting in bids to buy a private practice. Because right now, if you've got a practice that you want to sell, corporations are gonna be able to give you much greater multipliers because they're not trying to take out a bank loan who's concerned about getting repaid. So it's just a very different dynamic. And so that has somehow magically translated into this talking point that younger grads just aren't interested in practice ownership. And that's just not true when you talk to veterinarians, you know, boots on the ground talking to veterinarians across the board. The same percentage of veterinarians who always wanted to own practices still want to own practices today. That's my guess. You know, I haven't looked at all of the numbers exactly, but they're not saying, no, I don't want to own anymore. I only want to work or I don't want to work. I think those conversations are always the same, but now we've got this dynamic of corporate consolidation versus starting my own business versus can I buy a business versus a bank loan. And oh, by the way, now we've got really big student debt. They're concerned about the student debt and they're concerned about opportunities, but one doesn't equal the other. Those are two different conversations and we've somehow mashed them all together and created the story that when you're out there talking about veterinarians, it just doesn't seem to hold true. At least that's been my experience in the conversations I had. Then when I started talking with the banks and with other leaders and people who actually talked to the banks, they're like, well, as long as they can manage the student debt and there's cash flow in the business, business debt is different from personal debt. So they're two different buckets. And so one, again, doesn't equal the other. So I'm not sure where this story came from, but it, it's one that's out there. It's had been you know, talked about amongst our leadership. I hear it from other people in the public. We see it in the news. We're starting to believe it ourselves because we hear it so much. But when you're talking with veterinarians, I, I feel like veterinarians who want to own businesses want to own businesses. And oh, by the way, now we also have the student debt to contend with. And how are we going to do that in meaningful ways? And I will tell you that veterinarians across the country by far have the best ideas. So the more we can talk to them, the more we can elevate these ideas, and the more we can share and hear from diverse voices, the quicker we're going to solve some of these big problems in our profession. Very well put. I have a lot of thoughts, and I feel like we could record a whole episode about <laughs> practice ownership. Just as I continue to ask I'm the question. I'm not the expert on practice no, ownership. No, these are just my uh, opinions and, and things I heard on the campaign trail, for sure. I've heard that, too. That. I'm young, I want, to, I want to own a practice, I want to buy out the, the senior you know, doctor here, the senior veterinarian. And there are ways, I've seen a presentation from actually a local CPA firm about how even as a established practice owner, you can maximize the value by having an associate buy you out. 
if you want a big check today, yes, consolidators can write that. Where someone that's a young you know, associate cannot do that. They don't have the means to. But if you let them buy in chunks over time, not only do you maximize the value of your practice, you're going to pay less in taxes. There's so many different ways you can structure it where people just lose sight of like, ooh, this big check and it has you know, seven figures on it. I want that. It's like, well, you can actually have more and you can make sure the practice stays in the same manner and it's taken care. It has a standard of care moving forward. So it takes care of the people that helped facilitate building this great business in the future instead of turning it over maybe to a consolidator that does a great job. And I'm not saying that consolidators are evil or bad by any means, but there's certainly a different approach when it is not owned by the people in the business that are operating day to day. I think what you said makes a ton of sense. Well, that comes down to innovation, right? None of these options are right, wrong, good, or bad. They are options. And for us to draw huge generalizations across the board just isn't true. And I think to recognize that we have our own limitations and the mind, as wonderful as it is, we love to create stories and tell ourselves stories based on the experiences we've had. And the more conversations we can have, the more different innovative approaches that we can learn about, just like the ones, the presentation you saw from the local CPA. I mean, that's a really innovative, novel approach. And so the more we can actually take these different business models, these run the numbers, look at them a little more innovatively, and figure out how can we both achieve the goal and have a greater return on investment, I think that's a win-win for everybody. I totally agree, and I think it's not only educating the, the seller, but the buyer. If you have an associate you can go to a, a practice that they may be working for or have a good relationship with it, say, I want to sit down and just have a long conversation around your business and how we can structure this. They don't have to be the expert. They're not the CPA that's running the, the tax projections and being able to have them, but they can plant the idea and say, would you be interested in this conversation? So the education needs to happen on both sides. And, and again, the more conversation you have, you have really smart people that are out there. They get it. They'll understand it. They just need to be shown some of the just key pieces and let them run with it and have further dialogue to see what makes sense for you know, them and their family. Because it's a huge expense and a huge transaction and transition for both parties. So you gotta make sure it makes sense outside of just the, the Excel spreadsheet, right? Like it has to make sense from a personal side too. Absolutely, right? Personally, professionally, ethically, morally, you know, I mean, whatever your core values are, finding people that match those core values, it's always going to be a much better partnership or dynamic than it would ever be if it was just purely a spreadsheet conversation, right? Um, and I think that's something we forget about or we put on the back burner or we don't value. Or how often do we take the time to figure out what our values are? How many people can you talk to on the street that would know what their values are if you stop them and ask them? Not very many. Right? Not but, but you know, when we get that sick pit in the gut of our stomach, that sick feeling, and we just know something's off, or something's not quite right, or we're just not achieving what we thought, or we're not as happy as we thought we'd be, I, I really would encourage everyone to take a step back and think through, are your values aligned with what you're doing, your goals, your dreams? Because whatever those core gut values are for you, that's when you just kind of realize oh, this just isn't quite right. There's something a little off here. And to be able to put language around that and to understand what that is for us really 
increases the joy and happiness in our lives. And, and so that's why I'm really passionate about being a certified high performance coach, about all the things I'm doing with Pause Consulting and helping busy professionals not only achieve their goals, but live the life of their dreams. Well, I think a lot of what you just talked about from just you know, what I do day in and day out from like a financial claim, like aligning how they spend money, because a lot of people will spend money and they're like, oh, well, this isn't bringing me any happiness. They make a lot of money and they spend it. And they're like, why am I doing this? I don't know. You're trying to keep up with the people down the street and it doesn't align back to values. Like, How are you aligning how you spend your values? Does this actually make you happy or are you doing it because you think that's what you need to do? You're a doctor. You should have this stuff. Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe that's not what is meaningful to you. And I think that's a great aspect of, of so many different pieces of someone's life is just trying to figure out what actually is important to you, focusing on those things, because your actions are going to display that. And you just can't continue to kind of be a zombie and walk around and, and, and wake up one day and say, you know, I, I missed out on accomplishing you know, a number of things that I wanted to when I got into this profession. So on top of everything else that you're doing, work, political, high performance coaching, all these different things. You have a podcast as well. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about Beyond the Stethoscope and kind of why you started it, what you saw? So I made the decision and started thinking about starting the podcast after I ran for Congress. And right before I started running for president-elect of the AVMA. And what I heard in the world was just a lot of unfairness and I was looking for a lot of solutions, and I was searching podcasts, and I couldn't quite find the information I was looking for, or it wasn't all in one place. And then through my travels of running for president-elect of the ADMA, what I learned was that the concerns of veterinarians fell into three main buckets. Um, it, they fell under resilience or work-life balance, career transitions and skill sets, and then three, personal finance and that all of the issues that were raised to me across the country could be put into those three broad categories. And so then in 2018, I decided that the podcast would focus in 2019 on those three broad topics. And then also tackle, you know, just some bigger topics like gender equality, pay equality, making sure we're hearing from diverse voices. What does that look like? How can we do better? I think some of these topics, we're so afraid to ask questions because we're so embarrassed at our own lack of knowledge, or we're so afraid that by asking a question, we're gonna stick our foot in the mouth instead of being a productive member to help move something forward. And so I thought, well, why not call on and I've met a lot of people, I know a lot of the experts. Let's you know, use those connections and networking to get some of these questions answered, to really start having some of these meaningful discussions. And let's do it in an entertaining way. So you can learn something really hard hitting, really important, something you're desperately needing to learn about, have tangible, implementable solutions, actionable things you can do, and be entertained on the way to work. So, you don't have to waste any more time, but we can really start having conversations about how do we have more resilience as veterinarians so that we can have more joy and happiness in our life. Like, what are the little silly things? You know, I do some really simple, very silly things throughout my day. I have alarms in my phone that when I wake up, it tells me it's going to be a great day. 
and that it's going to be so much fun, I can't believe I get to do this in life. And it is so laughable because it's so simple and so silly, but it made the biggest impact in my life. And so how can I not only be a role model and go do these big crazy things, but how can I really show people how they can have that for themselves and how, on what they want to accomplish, not what I've accomplished. Everybody has their own unique goals and dreams and absolutely should be encouraged to pursue those and to have the life that they want. Really similar to why you know I wanted to start a podcast because I enjoy podcasts. I get so much information out of them because you don't have to you know, be sitting and reading a book or watching you know, a documentary or, or this video on YouTube about something. You can be you can go to the gym, you can you know, take your dog for a walk, you can do anything and have that information in your ear. And it can be overwhelming, but now I have the FOMO of, oh, there's so many good podcasts, like which one do I listen to? And that's a whole business that I've heard people talk about is getting podcast rankings and helping identify based on how you listen, which ones you like, what podcasts are there, but uh, you know, I, I tip my cap to you for seeing it and saying, I'm going to do this. And I'm sure there's parts of you that were like, ooh, like, am I the right person to do a podcast? I've never done a podcast before. But you still went out and did it, and you've had a lot of great guests on your show. No, I think that's a fantastic way to, to bring content to people and let them listen on their own terms. Well, thanks, Isaiah. I really appreciate that. And another career in life I've lived that you don't yet know about is that I was actually the radio DJ of my high school radio morning show, um, which was WMHS Pirate Radio. <laughs> <laughs> so I had so much fun with that, and I was challenged. I was challenged by one of my coaches, and he said, hey, what have you done years and years and years ago, maybe? that brought you so much joy and happiness that you really enjoyed that you haven't done it, but now, 10, 20 years later, whatever it is, the technology is there, it's gonna be easy to do, and you can really bring those skill sets to life again and, and add some more joy to your life. And I thought about it, and I was like, hey, I used to really love doing this radio show, and I was locked in a closet, and I had to, you know, rewind the cassette tapes and you know if we're really lucky we had CDs I'm like this has got to be a lot easier now <laughs> and what a great way to learn is to learn from others and what's made them most successful in life and and so it, it literally surprisingly it only took me about two weeks to pull the whole podcast together and I was you know really excited and motivated and um, I'm thrilled that I'm able to continue doing yeah, it's, it's great. And I'm, one of the things I was going to ask is, what did I fail to like mention that you think is really important? And, and then you bring out this, like, oh, I was a DJ, have all this stuff. Like, that's that's awesome. Hopefully, you're not still recording in a you know, coat closet. No, you're no. Not no. using tapes, <laughs> not using CDs. It's very easy from that standpoint. Yeah. I think the hardest part probably is editing. It takes time to, to edit it and make it sound good sometimes, depending on the interview. But so much of the, the content is valuable and it's interesting to see. I'm sure you see this as well what episodes get listened to more and which ones seem to take off and have a life of their own and other ones are like, ooh, I thought that was really good. People should listen to this one more. Like, it was really good. And you always learn something whenever you sit down with someone to interview them for a podcast. I, I always selfishly say, even if the podcast was a flop and did never work out, I learned a lot from it. Absolutely. I think that just helped me as well. I absolutely agree. Just looking out at, at what you've done, anything that you want to share that you think is really important to, to leave with anyone listening right now that you 
would like to instill? Don't give up. It's your dream. It's no one else's dream. And you're the only one who has to be okay with it. Would you define your success, you know, personally, professionally, similar to that? I, that's a question I always ask because the, the show's called, you know, Veteran Success Podcast. And I, I'm just so curious how people define success. Like, would you, would you define, you know, blaze your own trail as being success, or is, would you define it another way? Absolutely. And I thought a little bit about this. And success to me is having the freedom to ride my horse in the middle of the day and having money in the bank to pay the bills. So I just love having both financial and geographic and time freedom. And to be able to get the work done on my own terms, in my own way, in my own ebbs and flows, and to really lean in to who I am and just enjoy that day. I, I think I've sought out a lot of different careers and tried on a lot of different careers, but the one thing they've all had in common is the ability to sort of design my own day. Like I, I joke around that my life is kind of like atrial fibrillation. It's irregularly irregular, and so, um, that is how I love to have my day and my week and my month structured where all the pieces are there, but they're never in the same order. And I can just kind of go through my day in a way that's meaningful to me, still accomplish the goals, still have the financial freedom that I need, and also be able to work from anywhere or go ride my horse in the middle of the day and have everything be okay. I think that's really a luxury and one I'm really grateful for that I've worked towards in my career. Time is one of the most valuable assets, or if not the most valuable asset that anyone has, so having the flexibility to structure your day how you want it, have control of that time and have someone else dictate it, yeah, it sounds like you know very fulfilling, rich, successful style of life, so I couldn't agree more from that standpoint. Thank you. If someone wanted to learn more, follow your work, thoughts, things you're up to, where would you direct them or point them to? And I'll, I'll link to all of it in the show notes, but just wanted to let you have a chance to, to share. Absolutely. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We are everywhere at Demery DVM. So connect with me there. I absolutely respond to direct messages, sometimes better than I do my email. So if you want to get my attention, uh, the social media channels are definitely the way to do that. And also, if any of the listeners are excited about high-performance coaching or any of the tools and strategies and techniques we talked about today, I'm offering a free high-performance strategy session for your listeners. And they can learn the exact techniques I use and discover some of their own. And they can go to pauseconsulting.com forward slash strat session to claim theirs. And if they just want to have a community of like-minded individuals, they can go over to Facebook and join the Facebook group, Busy Professionals Who Thrive Tribe. It's my tribe and it is your tribe. So we look forward to seeing you there. I love it. Thank you so much. That's a fantastic offer and I'll make sure that that's linked out to where people can find you. Well, thanks so much, Isaiah. It was wonderful. and It was so great to meet you in person. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah is the founder of ID Financial Planning and Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. The biggest compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is a platform that is predominantly how people listen to the show. If you have three minutes, love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us an honest review and rating. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information and insights and the ability to have your voice heard, please consider joining the private podcast Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll down to the about your host and click on the Facebook icon. Then I can approve you, let you into the group, and would love to hear from you there. Thanks for listening, and I'll be talking again to you soon.